And welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And this week, we're going to be talking about our comfort movies. So we're going to be listing a couple of movies that we like to rewatch over and over and over again. I'm assuming anytime we get stressed out, I don't want to speak for David, but we're covering comfort movies this week. So stick around. All right, David, why are we doing comfort movies? Um, well, you know, it's, first of all, it's, it's finals week are coming up, end of the year, um, and that's always stressful, but on top of that, uh, we are graduating, um, and we are about to enter a new period of our lives, um, some have been answered, and some are still kind of in question about what we're doing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some aspects have been answered, and some we don't know yet, so, uh, it's kind of a a two-edged sword with, you know, end of the year is crazy, but also now it's like, man, we got a lot going on and graduation and um, a new chapter of our lives. So, you know, these comfort movies will hopefully comfort us <laughs> right. when everything around us right now is literally just wild. Right. So I, I, I thought about this idea and I thought that it would be it would be something good because it's something I'm probably going to do. I'm probably going to rewatch a couple of movies um, in the next couple of weeks. And especially when I move. Um, and then I'm living by myself before I actually start work. I'll probably be watching some movies that are very familiar to me to kind of, I don't know, to kind of ease the stress, maybe ease the anxiety a little bit. So what, what to you is a comfort movie? I think the biggest thing for me is the movie ending the way we think it should. Okay. Like, however that may be. I mean, it could be not good, I guess. But Mm -hmm. in picking my movies, it was like, either the first time or rewatching it, I'm like, man, this movie should end like this. And mm-hmm. then it ending like that, uh, for the ones I picked all in, in a most, mostly in a good, in a good sense of mm-hmm. like, that was resolved. I feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think another thing is it's just a really good movie. And s- again, like, you know, like we watched the ring last night. We didn't know if it was going to be good or not with these. We know, yeah, we'll be there's, satisfied there's with these no movies. questioning. Yeah. There's no, there's no looking at it and seeing like oh, I don't know if I really like it or for me even. Uh, there's no part of the movie that I don't like. Mm-hmm. There's some good movies where I don't like parts of it, like a section scenes that I'm not wild about. All of these movies that I listed, there's not a single part of the movie where I'm like, oh, we're at this part. Like I gotta wait until the part I like. Let me comes go get up. a drink of water. Yeah, um, I got and you. Also, I, I'm assuming you're the same way, but these are all movies you've seen. Many times yeah. over. Yes. Um, some of them, I think some of mine are from childhood or, or maybe I saw it younger and then have continued to watch. Some of them are a little bit newer for me. Um, but, but yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have like a genre that you normally would look for in a comfort movie or even like familiar people, like actors that you like or director or something like that? Um, I think... My gut reaction for a comfort movie is going to be like a DreamWorks or Disney movie that mm. we grew up with. Mm-hmm. Like, we might get to this, but like Tarzan I almost put on. Because that's just the, the soundtrack. It's right. just a classic, like, feel good, this is a good movie. So right. I think for me, immediately, that's my gut reaction is to put like Ratatouille, something we grew up with. We know it's good, fun. Um, I think, I haven't really thought about director, but just gut reaction, probably like Chris Nolan because he's one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. a lot of his movies are in my top. Mm-hmm. 10 so i like his movies and i like the way he films so probably 
that those two things are what, what attract me. Yeah, I would say normally my comfort movies are, and they can be, I don't think genre really matters to me. I do think that I look for, for people in these movies, like actors or directors or even screenwriters that I like and that I enjoy their work and I have some sort of connection to, mostly. That's not the case for all of them, but normally it's like, oh, I have previous history with this person, or like, this is one of my favorite actors going right now, so they're in this movie, and I love to rewatch this movie. Uh, uh, something that I didn't pick, um, I didn't put any Star Wars on my list. Um, I thought about, I but, saw that, I thought about it. But I, I think that, because mainly I've already talked about my love of Star Wars, and actually, spoiler alert for next week, since it's the week of May the 4th, we will be talking about Star Wars the entire episode next week, so I didn't want to spoil some stuff. But those are also movies that, like, I could – even the ones that I don't really love. Like, I don't like Rise of Scott, Skywalker, but you pop me in the Star Wars universe, and I'm, I, like, mm-hmm. feel safe and at home mm-hmm. in some way. So I think I look for that, too. It's, it's harder to find, but it's kind of just that feeling. Here's a question, um, and I'm only asking this because I know of a person who – one of their comfort movies they rewatch the most is a horror movie. Would that ever be the case for you? Do you think you will ever get to a point where a horror movie is a comfort movie? Because the nature of horror is kind of to make you uncomfortable almost. Yeah, not at all. Um, I think even like last night, the movie was eh. But like I was still pretty like tense throughout the movie, Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of me when I look at a comfort movie. Also, I mean, I, I think this is a pretty popular opinion. And if you disagree, I'm sorry. But it's just the case that like horror movies just aren't high quality. Um, some of them are decently high quality horror movies, but especially compared to like some of these blockbusters, some of these like old faithful movies, like they just aren't as high quality, uh, films. So I feel like once you get past of, like once you get past like the scared aspect, cause I've watched it so many times, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. You're saying that like horror movies have one, one goal normally and one goal only. And once you've already seen it once, that goal is kind of impossible to achieve again. Yeah. They don't have the, the, they don't have the composer for the soundtrack. They don't have the budget for special effects or CGI. They don't have these big name actors that can deliver like they always have, you know? So I, it's, it's tough for me to watch like Sinister. If that was like every week I watched that, like we watched, yeah, it'd be a lot. watched like 24, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, be a lot. you know, like, I don't know. I I will I both agree and disagree. I think that the base level, the basement for horror is is commonly celebrated on a first viewing. I think that bad horror movies can still be good the first time because you're not expecting the jump scares or whatever mm-hmm. comes out. And so and they're cheap. Like we all know horror movies are very cheap to make. It's cheap to scare people. You don't have to hire very good actors to be in horror movies, which is why some of the most meme movie parts are horror movies because the acting is terrible and stuff. But I think that I would disagree with that. Uh, there's some very good horror movies that I think I can rewatch. Some of them are less about totally scaring you, but about presenting ideas that I think. I think of Midsummer is is one that I have seen many times, mainly for Florence Pugh, but also because mm-hmm. I think that that movie doesn't rely on jump scares. It doesn't. Really are there any at all? Rely- no, it's not really about surprising you. It's kind of about the ideas in dealing with trauma and what a person will go through to try to escape their trauma. Um, Here's all you need to know about that movie. The entire movie's with the sun at the top of the sky. It's yeah, a, it's, it's in broad daylight, it's a movie and it's still unsettling. Almost entirely in broad daylight. One of the most unsettling movies I've seen. But I so. think of a movie like Scream was almost a comfort movie for me mm. because Scream is a horror movie. It's a slasher, but it's like also a comedy at the same time. It's got quality performances. It's well-written and well-directed. Wes Craven, one of the best horror directors of all time. And I just think that that movie could be a comfort movie for me. 
but I don't know if it is one just mm -hmm. because of the nature, but I wonder if I, in 10 years, I've seen Scream five, Scream five more times and I think, oh yeah, that's a comfort movie mm -hmm. for me. I can turn on Scream and I know it's gonna happen. So I, 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 I agree, I understand. I think some for me would never be, I don't know if I could ever do like ghost horror movies as comfort movies. Mm -hmm. um, because that's just a whole different kind of animal. But I do know one of my friends, The Conjuring 2 is the movie they've seen the most in their life. And that's just, that's that's yeah. their comfort movie. They turn on The Conjuring movies whenever they want to do something. So That's tremendously weird. Yeah, it's strange. It's a strange habit. Shout out Michaela. It's a very weird habit, but well, that's what a she little, does. A little off subject, kind of, not really. Like, would you consider like The Shining and Signs of the Lambs a horror movie? Because I feel like that could be because it's such a classic, but I don't even know if I'd consider that horror. More yes, of like a thriller. I would consider both of those horror movies because I think a horror movie doesn't just have to straight up terrify you with the literal jump scares or scares that's happening. I think if the movie is unsettling you and making you creeped out and think about it afterwards, it has achieved its goal as a horror movie. Mm -hmm. I think the first time I saw this Shining, I was creeped out. Like... The whole time I watched it lights off completely by myself, I was scared. Same thing with Silence of the Lambs. Now, a lot of the Silence of the Lambs movies, Silence of the Lambs, is not scary. However, that ending part where Clarice is walking around in Buffalo Bill's basement with the night vision, that part is terrifying. So the most terrifying scenes. If <laughs> I, I think, so a horror yes. is a thriller, but a thriller may not be a horror. Right. Thrillers can be different. I think thrillers are just supposed to make you feel tense, but I guess horror yeah. movies are supposed to scare you. Um, that's why like, I think the murkier ones are like get out or a quiet place. Cause I was never really scared by those movies, but I was tense the whole time. Mm -hmm. But I'm also tense watching a movie like Dunkirk, which is not a horror, but maybe, maybe Dunkirk is a horror movie. Cause it's all about playing on your anxiety about time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but mm -hmm. I, I, okay. I think that maybe a horror movie could eventually be one for me, but I think that's person to person. I don't think you'll ever have a horror movie as your comfort movie. Yeah. Probably ever. Of course, I always say I hate him, but then I find myself watching it. That is wondering true. why I this was to the make guy that decision. last night he was like, "We're watching a horror movie." And like no other questions about any any other genre or anything. We had to watch a horror movie last night, but then he's the guy that gets on a podcast and says he doesn't like them. So interesting. All right, um, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll get back with our picks. We each picked four comfort movies, so stick around and listen to us list them. I guess you know whatever. All right, welcome back. We are now going to be listing our favorite comfort movies, and David has an absolutely wild first pick, so I'm just going to let him say it. Go ahead. Come on. Uh, my first is uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, featuring, featuring, starring Jim Carrey. <laughs> Uh, written by Ron Howard. Uh, it's mainly, I mean, it's written by Dr. Seuss. That's also <laughs> kind of an important thing. I guess everybody probably knew that. Uh, but yeah, stars Jim Carrey and a handful of other uh, actors that you'd probably recognize, not by name, but by face. Um, and I wrote one of the greatest movies of all time, kind of being funny. It is one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm not going to say the greatest. Personally. It's one of, I would say. Yeah. Um, but I think what kind of the peg that falls for making this a comfort film for me is like ever since I could like look at a TV, my family's watched this every single Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I've seen this at least 21 times, legit. We've not missed a Christmas. Every Christmas we watch this together as a family. 
drinking eggnog and Ugh. you know hanging out gosh um, eggnog is disgusting continue hey this is my segment eggnog's <laughs> good <laughs> um, it's not but that's that's the biggest thing that that falls for me is that we've watched it's just i've watched it so many times and it's kind of in my growing up i've i've gotten to know this and and grow accustomed to it and also like it has that happy ending right you know he's a he's a grouch he's mean he's a hag you know and He's talking um, about the Grinch, not me, for all those wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Jim Carrey is, you know, good at being that, but also it's Jim Carrey, one of the greatest, you know, comedians in movies um, that we've seen, and he's very, very good at ad-libbing, and, and, you know, half of this movie was simply just him throwing one-liners around, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it ends resolved, right? He is... He saves his it. heart grows. He saves Christmas after he, he stole it, right? Yeah. You know, his heart grows and, and he's quoted that he's leaking, you know, because <laughs> <I'm> he's leaking, <laughs> you know, he's beginning to feel again, you know. So like one, I've watched it a lot and yeah, it has that happy ending and it's just super, super lighthearted. Um, and Jim Carrey's just, I think Jim Carrey was kind of robbed of an Oscar. He was nominated and I think he absolutely killed this. The training he went through to get this makeup on and the mm-hmm. process of this and then his performance as well. Uh, this is a big comfort movie for me what what is what do you what are your thoughts on this so here's a fun fact for everybody and my parents and brother can corroborate this story uh this is the movie i've seen the most in my life because for some reason as a child um i wanted to watch the grinch even not around christmas time so i think i've seen this movie more than any other movie in my life um i wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies now but i would say that especially for people i think this is a maybe a generation thing Mm -hmm. for us it's endlessly quotable and yeah. we quote it all the time. You and I quote it all the time. I know a lot of our friends have seen this movie copious amounts and also quote it all the time. I'm pretty sure there's been people, I know there's been at least one person that like quotes it. And I'm like, you, you said you've never seen The Grinch, but you just quoted The Grinch. And they yeah. like didn't know. Yeah. So even if you haven't seen it, like, they, they, they quote Literally it. just the classic, it's because I'm green, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is, is something the, that we all say. The, or, you know, I'm an idiot. <laughs> You're, You're an idiot. idiot. You know, yeah. like there's just so many. I don't know. I don't know why that happened. I don't know how this happens with a Christmas movie. I think, yes, Jim Carrey is magnetic in this movie. I absolutely hate, and my family actually skips the part where Cindy Lou Who is singing Where Are You Christmas. That is a that's peak. That's peak cinema. moment in this movie. <laughs> it is so boring. Um, and the the person who sung that, actually, Taylor Momsen, went on to be the lead singer of a metal band and is making much better music than that effort. Um, <laughs> Bit of a switch, I say, in genre of music. <laughs> yeah, just a tad. Uh, I, I enjoy this film. Uh, I, my question is, do you ever watch this outside of Christmas? You've labeled it as a comfort movie. Have you ever turned this bad boy on in May? Um... I don't frequently, but I think there has been – I think I did last year. Wow. I can't remember why. I mean, I feel like that's kind of a requirement, a comfort movie you have to be able to watch any time. I was with someone who hadn't seen it, and it was like October, and I didn't want to wait any longer, and we just watched it. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it – so it's not technically Christmas, it's pushing it, but yeah. So if you get really down in the dumps, do you think you would ever turn to to the Grinch and be like, you know what, I'm just going to watch this. I don't care that it's eight months away from Christmas. Or Honestly, maybe. Because yeah. Jim Carrey did such a good job. Like it, No matter how sad I am, like he would make me laugh. Like, I, yeah. like that, was, that was a good joke, Jim. Like, 
props. You know? <laughs> get you. Um, so also on Letterboxd, I gave it a five out of five just out of spite because I think 3.2 is too low of a ranking. So Hey, it's even it's doing even worse on IMDb. It's a 6.2 out of, out mm-hmm. of 10. So it's a Christmas movie. It's also a comedy. Those are normally divisive. Although anyway. 21,000 people have given it a five out of five, probably in my same shoes. Like, I like Jim Carrey and out of spite. I'm yeah, I don't fun. know that anybody's ever going to argue that this is the best movie ever made, but they no, may argue no, it's, it's one not. of the ones they enjoy the most. Yeah. So. so that's that's my first pick. Kind of a unique one, but I like it. Yeah. All right, transitioning to a completely different kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> my first pick is The Social Network, um, written by Aaron Sorkin, directed by David Fincher. I've talked about this movie before. It's about Mark Zuckerberg. It's kind of a villain origin story at this point, I guess. Um, Freaking Mark. And, yeah, I think David can attest there's been a couple of times in college where I'm like, I'm sad I'm going to watch The Social Network now. (laughs) I've done that a few times Um, because The Social Network is just – it's so good. It's such a good movie, Um, and I am a dialogue person, um, which Mm -hmm. is why I love Aaron Sorkin so much. And this Um, has that. And this has excellent dialogue. I mean, the opening scene is one of the best opening scenes in movie history with – Jesse Eisenberg, Zuckerberg, and then Rooney Mars, Erica Albright, just in a bar talking. I can hear the music right now as I'm thinking about it. And like, he's, you don't have to study, you go to be you. And like, it's just so funny. And they, this movie is also a million miles an hour. Um, but yeah, I, I just love it. I, I love every part of it. This is one of the things I was talking about where there's not a section of the movie where I think drags. Mm-hmm. I think this entire movie is good. I, I genuinely believe it's one of the best movies of the 2010s, probably in the top five for me of that decade. How many times have you logged it? On Letterboxd, how many, what's the number at? I think, I think I've only logged it on Letterboxd three times, two or three times. Does, I, that, does that refret, like restart every year? Um, no, I think it's total. I think that it's total, the total amount of times that you watch it. Um, Got you. But I, I, if I was to estimate how many times I've seen this movie, I would probably the last say... Two years. Let's say the last two years. Cause I, feel like <laughs> I think in the last two years I've seen this movie five times. Yeah. Um, and then Just probably total, high. I've probably seen it all, all around up near ten times. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't... I just... I just love it. Mm-hmm. Just love everything about it. And if we were doing just comfort things, I would put Aaron Sorkin's The West Wing on here because that's something I just turn on whenever I, I, I want to feel comforted. But comfort movies, this is by far, I think, the one I turn to the most. Hey, you don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies. David's just reading the tagline. I know David has seen it as well. Um, so, David, what do you think about this movie? Uh, I really like it. I even think Andrew Garfield's performance is peak yeah. he does a very very good job this is his best this is his best performance um just really really a great film this is one i have not seen in a while and that's it's one i want to rewatch, um because right i was young enough i wasn't like into films as much as i am now mm-hmm. and so like you talk about the dialogue and like those those little things that when i'm just in high school watching a movie i'm not paying attention to mm-hmm. you know but now that i'm in like i, I, I pay attention to movies a lot more Mm-hmm. Like something I could I could notice and appreciate more um, about this film, so it's something I want to rewatch. But no, I really I really enjoyed it, and uh, it's uh, 
I, I personally don't see it as a comfort film because it kind of makes at the end you're like, man. Yeah, I think it's kind of messed up. I think it's you know, f- the familiarity with with how everything's gonna play out. Like you know, I can tell you about how Eduardo Saverin's shares were diluted down to point zero three percent, and that he was screwed over. And it's it's not like he's not gonna be a part of Facebook. He's not a part of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell you about these things, and that's why. But also you're also the guy when Jesse Eisenberg just starts going off. You're like standing <laughs> up, like yes, ah, I'm tearing. Spit it. Like I love if you were if you were the inventors of Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. And I don't think Mark Zuckerberg is near this cool in real life um, based off of what I've seen from him at congressional hearings. <laughs> but I, I still think this movie is endlessly comfortable, even has though he seen this. I, has he commented I, yes, on this? He has seen it. He said that the thing that they got the most accurate was his outfits, but that everything else is wrong. I also don't think I think this movie is seeking to entertain, not inform. So I would encourage you to not watch the social network and then be like, "That's an accurate depiction of Mark Zuckerberg's rise." And but the I don't fall. think he's also going to admit it because it no, kind of trashes. But I know that there's things that they've changed, um, and I also know that Savern in real life is much more of a shady character than he is in this movie, from what I've heard. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just. David knows I use this as a barometer, actually. I ask you what your thoughts are on the social network, and then from there on, I kind of decide whether I'm going to take movie recommendations for you. Uh, And if you don't like the social network, you better have a very strong reason. Because if you just don't like the social network because you think it's boring, I'm not – if you're like, you should watch this, I will not listen to you. I just won't. (laughs) I just – it's a quick decision too. It's not like, oh, should I take their, should I heed their advice or not? Well, yeah. you don't like social. Yeah. I'm sorry, no. Because if I if I say to you, hey, how do you feel about the social network, and you say to me, oh, that movie is really boring, and then you're like, hey, you should watch this movie. I'm instantly like, I'm, I don't care. I don't care what you have to say. I don't know if that's next. mean, but yeah, <laughs> next. So the social network maybe a little outside the box for what most people would consider a comfort movie, but it's one of mine. David, what do you have next? Uh, next is one of my four favorite films of all time, and that's uh, Inception. Uh, it is written and directed by Christopher Nolan, stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Killian Murphy, Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ken Watanabe. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, just a slew of other actors. Honestly, there's so many more. Um, but uh, I just copied the bio, like the the kind of the pot description from IMDb because I don't even know how to explain this. But Cobb, which is DiCaprio. A skilled thief who commits corporate espionage by infiltrating the subconscious of his targets is offered a chance to regain his old life as payment for a task considered to be impossible. Inception. The implantation of another person's idea into a target's subconscious. That sounds really confusing. Just watch the movie. But It's not. Again, I said it last week. Inception is not confusing if you just pay attention. I mean, it is a little bit. It's not. (laughs) It It is much more confusing than your average movie. It's a lot like, deeper. I feel like it's not. It's just they explain all the rules you're up just, front. You're just stubborn. You just expository don't dialogue right at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is. I might have. This might be the movie I've seen the most. This or The Dark Knight. Um, when I don't. When, yeah. Same with you. Like when I'm not in the mood to watch a new movie, I'm like, I'll just turn on Inception. You right. Because Hans Zimmer kicks the crap out of this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing. The acting, everything about this movie is good. I think, similar similarly to you, I there's not a part of this movie that I'm just like, eh. Yeah, can we get through this? Yeah. Like even even in the beginning when they have to explain this, pretty, pretty like, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Deep, Comple- complex, complex set of yeah. rules for this reality. Even that in that, created. like Leonardo does a very good job, and 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 Christopher does a very good job, and and keeping you entertained and keeping you in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends 
it ends on a very happy note, right? You're, this entire time, he's pulled from his kids, and, and this entire time you see flashbacks of his two kids, and and he's pulled away right before he can see their faces. So you you agree with the, I guess, I think Michael Caine has said this, that he is in reality at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. This is He's not in a dream. Yeah. He's in reality. Yeah, okay. Michael Caine did come out like, Seven years after it dropped, like any any scene that Michael Caine is in is reality, is what he said, is what is what Chris. And then I also saw something that Cobb wears his wedding ring in the dream world and not Mm -hmm. in the real world, I think. And so he's not wearing it at the end of this movie. So Mm -hmm. he must be in the real world. So, yeah, I just I think that's like because that whole entire time. It's it kind of pulls at your heart like, man, is he ever going to see his kids again? And it really doesn't seem likely that he will. But at the very, very end, man, he does this impossible mission is super in depth and you know he, he that same exact flashback plays and it just a couple seconds longer and he sees his kid's face and they run towards him and hug him mm-hmm. so it's like a like a, a, for me that's like the most comfort is like it just ends on that happy note kind of what you're hoping for the whole time mm-hmm. same with you though like high freaking quality movie dialogue's impressive the soundtrack's impressive I don't. There's not a down point in this movie for me, mm-hmm. so it is a trustworthy. Uh, it's all reliable for me. What do you think? Uh, I like Inception. I, I'm much lower on it than David. I don't. D- David and I are, uh, digress over Nolan a little bit. Um, you are. Nolan is your favorite director, and he's not close to mine. I think he's a very good director, uh, action set piece wise. I I enjoy this movie. I my one of my biggest regrets is not being able to see this movie in IMAX. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. um, I did not see it when it came out. It took me years later before I saw it because, quite honestly, yes, at the age of what this movie came out in twenty ten, miles yeah. with the social network, what a year. Um, I would probably have not understood this movie now. Mm. So yes, I guess if you're 10, this movie is confusing. I, again, it's not, but I, I enjoy this. I, I think it's, this movie is very culturally important when you think about it. Um, like inception, even just in like the word we use that all the time. I feel like in, I don't, I don't mean I wasn't in a lot of adult conversations in 2010, so I don't know, but I feel like that wasn't the case prior. And also like the memes, I love the, like the Leo face when he's sitting at the bar with Killian Murphy that mm-hmm. has become meme, the, the wong mm-hmm. noise that has also become a meme. And, and the, the CGI use of like the it's buildings, CGI, it's all practical. Yeah. <laughs> the buildings folding on each other is practical. Everybody <laughs> no, but the buildings folding on each other and like Zimmer's score, I think are the, the key moments in that hallway mm-hmm. fight and stuff. So I, I don't, I don't love this movie in its entirety, but there are sections that I think are fantastic. I think it falls a little bit apart at the end when we journey down into the like last world of dreams uh, I don't love that part. I don't love the dialogue and the. I just don't love the conclusion as much as you do. But you I think seen that, in a while though. So. I think that that's not <laughs> true. I saw it this summer. Um, I this last summer. I think that this movie is still is still great, and I would not begrudge David for listing it as one of his comfort movies, especially because it's generally considered to be one of the best movies from his favorite director. So. Yeah. All right, in the similar vein of favorite movies of all time, I will be talking about my favorite movie of all time. Um, I'm going to give my family two seconds to guess it. 
Okay. It is the Lord of the Rings, the two towers. Um, this is in my opinion, the best of the trilogy, which is the best trilogy of all time. I will not be taking any notes on that belief. Just look at the critics and audiences scores of all this and what these movies accomplish and get, yep. Nope. Not even a little bit close. (laughs) And yeah, this is, this is just, it's a three hour comfort movie, three and a half actually. Um, and really longer than that because uh, I will make a confession here um, right now and that I have never in my life seen the regular theatrical cuts of this movie or any of the Lord of the Rings movies. I've only ever seen the extended editions, and I don't think I'll ever watch the theatrical cuts. So, yeah, I this is this movie's just great. It has all the things that I want. It's got fantastic action set pieces. Yeah. There, it's endlessly quotable. There's memes in it. You know, it's part of the cultural consciousness, but it's from my favorite movie series of all time. I started, I think my dad showed me these when I was five. Um, I believe we watched them all in one weekend. And I was terrified at first of like Gollum and some of the other stuff that works in this movie. But as I grew up, I've seen it again and again and again. And it just every year, once a year, at least I watch all of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, and yeah, there's there's just nothing better for me. Um, I think specifically my favorite part is the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is just a 45 minute battle in a movie where an elf slides down a staircase on a shield and shoots arrows at things. Um, and yeah, that's Question. what. What? Comparing two battles, <sighs> Battle of Helm's Deep or The Long Night? Battle of Game Helm's of Deep is far superior to The Long Night and it's not even close, let me tell you why. I guess you did grow up with that though. So David is bringing this up because we just, as our kind of last hurrah with, with another one of our friends, Zach, in Maryville, we watched Game of Thrones because that's something we all bonded over. And we watched The Long Night. Uh, first of all, The Long Night, you can't see anything for half of it. It's so dark. Um, second, some of the fighting doesn't make sense. But let's just talk about why Helm's Deep is great. First of all, it's a fantastic setting for a battle. Um, and it makes so much sense the way that the battle plays out. Also, the movement is clear. Um, even when the it's rainy at night, you can see everything clearly. There is great jokes. In the, one of my favorite parts is that Legolas and Gimli just start having a counting uh, fight. I, guess, I don't know why I said that. They're just taking tally of the amount of kills that they have and trying to beat the other. <laughs> uh, Legolas blows like a 19-2 to two lead in this somehow, on, which Amanda. is rough for him. But... Yeah, it's just, it's endlessly entertaining to me. And it just plays out so well the scope. You can really feel the scope of this battle. I think at some points you don't feel the scope of the Long Night, which is supposed to be this culmination of eight seasons of work in Game of Thrones. But you feel, this isn't even the biggest battle in Lord of the Rings, but you feel the scope of it. You feel its importance. And that's something that's really cool. And the music. I love that. Who did the score? Uh, Howard Short did the score okay, for the Lord yeah. of the Rings movies, which in my opinion is the best score for any movies. That even puts him above John Williams's work for Star Wars, which I think is a close second. But just the the feeling that I get from this movie, um, and it, again, you said, though this is the second of the third, so it obviously isn't the conclusion of the story, but this ending is so happy. You know, Gandalf up with the rest of the writers of Rohan up on the top of the hill charging down with the light shining in the orc's face mm-hmm. and you like get this happy ending um so you like this more than return of the king yes okay. this is this is my is favorite it, close? it will always be my favorite yeah they're not they're not leagues apart i i do and i know everybody loves to make their 
Oh my God, so many, there's 4,000 endings for Return of the King. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's an epic series. They have to do a lot to cover a lot of ground at the end. But I, I just think that this movie is just more of a complete, I enjoy it from beginning to end than Return of the King. It's um, also impressive. A lot of second movies fall into this. It's not filler. No. It's not like, okay, we have to do this because this is, at the beginning, this is, we knew we wanted to it here, so we have to fi- get a movie to in there. No. But there's actual, like, this is the most there's important meat movie. in the movie that's important. This is the most it. important movie plot-wise, I think, in all three of them in terms mm-hmm. of getting the story moving. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's my favorite by far. Um, and my favorite section of the movie is not about Frodo, who is the main character of the film. It's about the trio of Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas chasing down what they think are Merry and Pippin being captured by orcs, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. I just love it. Mm. I, yeah. don't, I don't have anything else to say yeah. about it. I, uh, I had never seen all, I've never seen these movies from start to finish in one sitting. Growing up, it was all like, it's on TV, let's watch this, just some commercials, dinner, turn it off, or mm-hmm. we got, we're in 30 minutes in the movie, watch, you know. Um, so last summer, you remember you weren't here. Uh, you were here, you were, and I told you like, "Hey, I'm just gonna watch one, two, and three. Boom, boom, boom." So I think in four days I watched all three movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like one continue, uh, continued thing, and yeah, I was blown away because I had never seen them like that. One sitting, no commercials, start to finish. Yeah, and uh, I uh, yeah, I was pretty blown away by it, um, and also the fact that like they got better as they went on. For mm-hmm. me, it's three, two, one as far as, so usually like the first is like, oh, this is the best movie, Jurassic Park. You know, and you know, like a lot of these m- classic movies, like number one's the best. So they just kept getting better, which is kind of hard to do. And, you know, they finished it with Return of the King, which won 11 Oscars of the 14, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah, it won, it, swe- it was nominated for 11 and won 11. Uh, I think that, I think for me, the order is actually two, one, three. Mm. Um, and I think it's close though. Again, it's it's just very difficult, and almost no other series has ever done this. Where, and this is why you make them back to back to back. I mean, they made all three of these back to back to back. There were no breaks. Did they, fil- they filmed so them? So they filmed all them, and they dropped all them all sequentially, and then dropped them a year after each other. And this is just a great argument for that. If you know you're going to make the money, because there's no there's no issues. There's no lack of cohesion. They all feel of one piece. And they all feel like they go together. And sometimes you don't always get that. Um, some things feel out of place. Looking at you, sequel trilogy in Star Wars. So yeah, Peter Jackson's kind of got sense. a big brain for that. Has anybody ever done that? Like anybody else ever done um, that? I think it's happened in other series at other points in times. They did actually, they just recently did this with Infinity War and Endgame. They filled them back to back as well and then released them one year after another. So it's happened before, but like, why I don't think it's ever been accomplished films, on this scale. Like, seen that and re- I don't know. That. I don't know why Disney wouldn't do that with Star Wars. Yes, it takes people out of circulation for a while, and maybe that's the nature of movies now and streaming that you can't. the actors don't want to sign up for that kind of process. But I think you get a better product when you do that, especially if you know you're going to make money. I mean, these movies were always going to make money. The Marvel movies are always going to make money. The Star Wars movies are always going to make money, even with the way theaters are going now. Yeah. So... Well, yeah. I mean, heck, Dis- Marvel movies are the reason really many theaters stayed up in COVID. So right, like and you release these movies now. I mean, yeah, their gross isn't as high as some of the other movies, but you release them now, all of these would have been billion-dollar movies. Yeah. So. Well, because the first one's a 4.3 out of 5, 4.3 out of 5, and the last one's a 4.4 out of 5. Right. So all over 250,000 ratings. Extremely of consistent quality-wise. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the back half of our list. You're listening to What Do You Want to Watch?
All right, David, hit us with pick numero tres. So we're going to jump back in time. Really? Yes, sir. And uh, with my pick, it is uh, Toy Story. Uh, Never heard of it. Written and directed by John Lasseter, starring Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. And it's a story of a kid named Andy and his toys. <sighs> wow. I don't really have to explain it. A I simpler think, time. You've I got think every person, me. Yeah. I think every person on this planet has seen Toy Story. Um, <laughs> but this is kind of what I talked about in the beginning. Like, when I first think of a comfort movie, I think of a movie like this. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen so many times. And you, you almost know it word for word just because it's such a part of your childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. You know, it's the song. You just, you just said it. You got a friend in me. Like... It's something that you don't forget, and um, I actually just watched this a couple weeks ago. I was working on something, and I just played this. I had a couple minutes, and uh, I was watching it finish something, and I finished up the movie actually paying attention to it. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really fun watch. Um, One of the greatest, you know, uh, Disney animated films, I think, that's been made. Yeah, where uh, would you – where would this fall for you on – the Pixar hierarchy. I, I mean, I know this is tough. There's so that many. there's so many now, but uh, I don't even know if any, are any of the new ones even worth. Is is this your? Let's let's okay. Let's let's make this simpler. Let's cut out every Pixar movie made since the beginning of the pandemic. All right, okay. let's cut all of those out. I think that would leave us with the last one. Is the last one the Good Dinosaur? Then if we cut out, because I don't know when Soul came out. Did Soul come out in twenty? 20- 20 yeah so we'll cut we will cut soul um and we will just go from before soul you don't have to rank them all i just Mm want to know where this falls is this top five for you yes yeah i think with it is for me ratatouille i've always loved that incredibles that's just that's just a fact incredibles is top five Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think it's up there with (sighs) toy story i mean there's up wally which yeah. a friend who I won't call out, TJ, uh, <laughs> just despises Wally. Yeah, TJ thinks that Cars Two is better than Wally. Okay, let's. Yeah, if you we won't say a last name though. No, no hate mail because please. yeah, I you can find him on our friends list if you want. To. <laughs> <laughs> I just that is yeah. Okay, we love you, we love you TJ. Sorry. Sorry. Continue. Oh, uh, but yeah, this is a top five. Um, simpler times, uh, original idea. Uh, so this is. It's a classic. I it, love it so much. Uh, what do you think of it? It's Come such on. a cool. It's such a cool, simple idea. I think all of us as kids were, you know, back in the old days when we just played with toys. And I think kids still play with toys now. But, I, like the thought of your toys being alive was always something you you mm-hmm. thought about and yeah. you kind of wanted. So the fact that they made that a movie is just such a fantastic idea. You always imagine it happening. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, and I yeah I think it's I think it's very smart. I think it kind of launches this juggernaut. I mean, this is the first movie made by Pixar Studios. So it launches, you know, the perhaps most important animation studio ever um, because it's so good. Uh, Yeah, and I think it's it's classic. You know, I will never qualm with anybody that wants to go back and watch Toy Story because I feel the same way. Um, How do you feel? I I, I think this is an interesting question and it's kind of digressing from comfort movies, but... How do you feel about the subsequent sequels, particularly the fourth Toy Story, which just came out recently um, and looks fantastic, but I'm not that big a fan. Um, I I like it as the baseline of its quality from Pixar, and it's got the same voice actors, 
but I feel like it was so unnecessary. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad movie by any means, but I it just kind of seemed like a money grab. Um, I will say it's also hard to follow up, honestly, Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. Even Toy Story 3 is even a very, very good film. Toy Story 3 is in the conversation for my favorite of all of them. Yeah, and I, I mean, we just talked about Return, like, Lord of the Rings, I guess, but the third one is one of the highest rated. Yeah. Let's see who Toy Story 2 is. I know it's it could be the second highest rated um, Toy Story film. It is, like... Usually, again, the one is the best, and it kind of like yeah, they kind of run I, out of ideas or run I out think, of money. I think know? if you talk to three different people, you may get three different answers for what the best Toy Story movie is, and yeah. I wouldn't argue with yeah. any of them and say they're incorrect. So it's just hard to follow those three up. And then for them, because Toy Story 3 came out in 2010. Great year again. Yeah. Good Lord. Wow. And then – for Toy Story 4, they came out in 19. So that's nine years later. People are a little more moved. Um, and so one, it seems like a money grab. And two, it's just hard to follow up those three three movies. Those are the two big things for me. Well, and I think that – so they'd done this with Pixar before. That with the Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University, they released them at like a point whenever the kids – who would have seen Monsters, Inc. were then going off to college, and that's why they made the Monsters University. And I think Toy Story is kind of the same way in that Toy Story 1 and and 2 kind of take place when the kids are – you're a kid at first one, and then in the second one you're growing up a little. You're getting a little bit out of playing with toys all the time. And then the last one, Toy Story 3, is takes place, you know, 11 years after Toy Story 2, and it's like well, you're, that one's you're growing up and you're moving out, and that's what it's about. And I felt like they ended it right there. And yeah. then they made doesn't the Andy fourth give, one. Doesn't Andy give the toys? Yeah, Andy to gives the toys away. I think it was over. And then they made the fourth one. And I, I nine just, years later, it's I like, think that fourth one was well made, but I just don't, I just don't think it was necessary. You know. Yeah. And and now they're making Buzz. You know, they're making a Buzz Lightyear mm-hmm. movie about the person who inspired the toy, which we'll see. I'm sure and it'll be fine because it's Pixar. But like different actor. It's a long time later. It's like <sighs> give me something we, else. We kind of seem done with it. Yeah. Give me something else, maybe. But yeah. yeah, honestly, like you mentioned that, I feel like that's where we're heading, though. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. That's right. we've been headed that it's road like for a long time. Obi Wan series. All they're doing is just diving into what's already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and Rogue One. Let's which, just f- a filler movie. You which, know, which there's don't no get me more wrong. original I ideas. Love those things, it's just but, like like give me give me something else mm-hmm. uh, too. And I think this is another thing we had this conversation around Oscar movies. Um, is Pixar kind of dominates, and Disney kind of dominates on baseline, and it feels like we're getting swallowed up, and we don't get a lot of ingenuity with some of these picks. I think that. Disney and Pixar in particular have both done a good job of highlighting cultures that have not gotten their kind of movie for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Coco and Encanto, you can see that even Raya and the Last Dragon is a part of that. Luca as well. Um, Soul, obviously. Uh, I think those are important and I like those things. But I also think that Pixar will continue to return to the sequel well, and I'm not sure how much I like that. Finding Dory. Finding Dory like is that. an example. Monsters University I mean, actually, I is an ex- another Dory. example. I think Incredibles 2 was a good movie, but again, another example of never really leaving us, you know, never giving us a new idea and kind of cycling back. And I guess maybe if they make two new ones and then one they turn back in, it will just be the same. That's fine. But yeah. yeah. All right. That's a a whole other digression. Anyway, to my third pick, um, a little movie called Little Women. Uh, the 20... Uh, I can't remember. It's 2019, right? Gosh, the years... Yes. Yeah, it's the 2019 version. So there's been, like, if you're 
if you know this, there's been like 11,000 versions of Little Women. There's one it made in the 90s um, with Christian Bale um, at the helm, and there's there's a couple others. I don't know if he's there's at the one helm. In he's one of the stars. As well. There's yeah, there's been th- countless countless adaptations of Little Women. Quite honestly, was never interested. Always saw the book in the library, never was going to read it because I was told that it wasn't for men. And it was it was a little it was, it was a book for about women, women for <laughs> women. Um, and actually, you could argue that Louise Alcott wrote with that purpose. But Greta Gerwig, who is one of my favorite people in Hollywood right now, wrote and directed this movie. Um, and this movie is about money, which I think is uh, it's weird that it's a comfort movie. I've already seen this movie four or five times since it, it came out um, three years ago. Uh, I just recently watched it, I think, a month and a half, two months ago. And. I love it. It's one of my, it's also in my top four. It's one of my favorite movies of all time um, because it's so unexpected that I think it would be in my top four if you look at it on the outside, but it's not. Um, it's the same thing. It's dialogue is great. I love in movies when people are like saying lines so fast and talking over one another because I feel like that's real to life and how conversations go sometimes. And I, I enjoy that aspect a lot. Um, and I think this one has great performance from familiar actors that I like, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, my favorite actress right now, Emma Watson, Laura Dern, Meryl Streep, Timothy Chalamet's in this movie, Bob Odenkirk is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot of familiar favorites, but I think what she does with this project in relating it to, to economics and relating it to class struggle, um, and it's not as though the, this original text wasn't about this, but she makes it more prevalent, and I think that Greta Gerwig does a fantastic job with that. Um, the music in this movie is great. The performances are are exceptional. And, um, yeah, it's a movie that has a couple of downers, but at the end it's happy. I think at the end people end up who they want, who you want them to end with, and um, it kind of ties it up neatly in a bow, and it feels like that's disingenuous, but sometimes that is how things work. Um, yeah, it's difficult for me to put into words how much I love this movie, but it's become one of the most important movies to me, even though it's only been out for for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, David, I know you haven't haven't seen this movie, but you've heard me talk about it a lot. So what would you say your level of excitement is to watch it eventually? I know it's on your watch list. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really excited. And it's a 4.2 out of 5, which um, if anybody either heard us talking about it or know Letterboxd, like it's hard to get over a 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just seeing, seeing it rank so high and also just like a, you know, I say this, jokingly sometimes but there is there are a lot of good actors in this and it's a stacked cast and I, comparing that with the ranking it's pretty evident that this this is mm-hmm. just a well well done movie and i trust your movie opinion and for you to say you know speak highly of it like i i do want to watch this but and correct me if i'm wrong though it, you have to pay for it still to watch it correct yes um it it is not easy to find it was on stars for a while i actually signed up with a for a free stars trial just to watch it one week because i wanted to watch it um, so yeah, I'm like, come on, wh- so where's this gonna it's, drop? It's somewhere? not been easy to watch for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't understand that. I think I'll just sum up the reason why this is a comfort movie for me now. It's a movie about people helping other people. Um, I think the perhaps the most moving part is Chris Cooper's character, Mr. Lawrence, like gifts one of the sisters a piano, um, and like it's about people helping others and caring about others. And that's always going to be comforting to me in a movie. And yes, there's, there's tension and there's struggles and, and there's characters don't always make the best decisions, but it's all about how they like, they love each other at the end of the day. And I think that that's really comforting. So, mm-hmm. and I will always defend this movie. So little women, 
Um, I once got made fun of for one actually requesting to watch this. An ex-girlfriend of mine made fun of me because she thought that it was ridiculous that I, a man, wanted to watch Little Women. But who's laughing now? It's a 4.2. Greta Gerwig's amazing. So, bam. Mic drop. All right. What's your final pick, David? My final pick is Skyfall. uh, Skyfall. Come on. Come on. Uh, 2012, directed by Sam Mendes. Uh, it stars Daniel Craig, Judy Dench, Javier Bardem, and Ray, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. We've said Ralph our entire lives not knowing that it was Ray. I think I've said Ray, actually. But, well, maybe not. I don't know if I've ever even really said his name out loud. I just recognize him and everything. It's, it's Voldemort. That's all yeah. I... <laughs> it is Voldemort. Um, and, you know, first of all, Craig's the best Bond that's filled this role. Um, really? Better than Connery? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, I mean, Connery's the OG, um, but... It, do, it does help that those these, movies, these movies are just so much high quality, more well, high quality. And I than, think they don't... And it's a different kind you of look bond. Back at You look back at Connery's movies, like the way that he acts is, I guess, true to the time, but they do not hold up just, like, the the way that he speaks... I'm just, the way that he speaks to women and the way that he talks about women in those movies mm. make me disgusted. Yeah. They gross me out. That's so. really kind of all the original ones are. It's just women. Yeah. Women, it's, women, it's, you know. Yeah. It's, they're very misogynist. So I'm glad that Craig is leaning away from that. And so, yeah, like, like with this, when they introduced Craig, it really turned more into like this like whole plot line and, and all these, all of his movies are connected. And I actually kind of realized they were all connected um, when during COVID, my family watched all the double, all the like uh, James Bond movies with Craig, mm-hmm. just boom, 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 boom. Uh, actually, at the time it was just four, uh, right back to back. And like, I don't know why I hadn't noticed this, but they were all kind of connected, and um, they kept building and kept building and kept building. But um, man, this this movie is just so beautifully made. Um, Roger Deakins, my boy Roger Deakins, just knows how to shoot things. I mean, it is so so well done. It won two Oscars. Javier Bardem is just yeah his villain performance he's here is so freaking good in everything he does and especially this one mm-hmm. um love the action sequences i love the cinematography the coloring in the movie um the the soundtrack uh freaking adele is just a stud yeah uh, naomi harris does well with Dam- daniel craig and then judy Dench. judy dench is just um just uh, the perfect actor for this role mm-hmm. um uh, very and, th- and this is a comfort movie for me one my dad loves james bond um mm-hmm. more more so he loves the new the new james bond and, and you know kind of loves that like action daniel craig's kind of got that dry humor backhand comments that my dad appreciates you know <laughs> so growing up like we watched these a lot um and so you know comfort film for me because i've seen it a lot but just it's just so well made and uh Man, when I turn this on, I know that like I'm gonna be in awe of the shooting and the action sequences and, and the movie as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, so I can trust it and um, know that I'll have a good time and uh, know that I'll be amazed by the movie and I'll, and laugh a little bit. Uh, so so that's that's my final pick. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I I think Skyfall is my favorite Bond movie. Uh, I I used to be close with. Casino Royale. However, I've seen Skyfall a couple of times recently. We actually just watched it like a month yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's far and away the best one. Um, the set pieces in this movie are fantastic. 
and I love love when they film on location for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell it's obvious when they do. You can tell, yeah. These this isn't a soundstage somewhere in London. They're shooting these in you know the exotic locales. They're in, they're going to Macau. They're getting shots um, in Shanghai. They're doing this stuff. And uh, I think the ending of this movie. I'm sad that this isn't Daniel Craig's last mm. Bond movie because I think it's such a final note on his Bond. Um, that it should have been. But yeah, this movie is fantastic. Another, I think this genre is comforting to me. Mm. Spy movies, especially ones where like you got to figure out what's going on and then they end up beating the bad guy in a final confrontation. The little gadgets the and yeah. the secret. I think, yeah. I think it's always, the, these kinds of movies are always comforting to me. Um, and this is the best one. So yeah, I would agree. Although you haven't seen that final one. I haven't, I haven't actually seen the last two. I will two. say, I think I like I haven't seen Spectre oh, yet. Seen Spectre either. Um, because I can't anywhere that's it kind of like Spectre. little women it's yeah, like it's, it's, it's been out it for anywhere. three four years but yet it's so not i need to see specter and i'm excited to see no time to die as well um but in my personal ranking skyfall no time to die inspector okay but I, I like them all like i, I there's not a I even honestly even quantum solace like yeah i don't like it's that the one. worst one it's it is by far the but worst i'm like one. it's still james it's Bond. still better than most of the brosnan ones yeah um you so. know i think some of the Brosnan ones. And it's available real, to watch on Prime. Skyfall, you can you can watch uh, for all you dads. I know you pay for Prime, so go out and watch uh, Skyfall. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amazon just bought the James Bond franchise, actually, and will be making Bond movies in the future. So, so. will Spectre then, I'm assuming, drop eventually on that once the contract's done with whatever? Um, yeah, I would imagine. Um, but who knows? Nice. So, yeah, my last movie, um, it's actually a little bit – I think we've picked some movies that are very popular – um, and this movie's a little bit less popular, but we actually also just recently watched this. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what kind of state I've been in that I've seen a lot of my comfort movies recently. But it is a little movie called Empire Records, directed by Alan Moyle, stars Liv Tyler, Renee Zellweger, Anthony LaPaglia, uh, Debbie Mazar, and Maxwell Caulfield. It's a movie about teenagers who work in a record store and are trying to save it from a big bag chain. Um, it's a very 90s movie. Um, came out in 95. Uh, so it's got peak 90s Liv Tyler in it. Um, and it's just, it, it's not great. I will just go out and say, like, I don't think this movie is fantastic, but it's so charming to me and so rewatchable and their each sequence is fun in its own way. They just make things unique and it's kind of ridiculous, but it's got a very low critic score. Um, and yeah, it's not considered fantastic, but it's, it's a movie that I really value. And I think the soundtrack is good. Um, and it's just fun. I'm I, the first time I saw this movie, I watched it twice in a weekend um, because I just loved it so much. I'm a sucker for coming of age movies. I think that for me is probably my favorite um, comfort movie subgenre. There were a couple of coming of age movies that I thought about picking, and I decided upon this one. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. David, you actually just saw this for the first time when I when I rewatched it again. You were with me. Yeah, we watched it what maybe a month ago. Yeah. What did you think about it? Uh, I thought it was good. It was very unique. Very kind of a weird movie. It's different, yeah. Um, so I think you're right in that you watch it again because I think I need to watch it again to kind of get that, well, this is kind of a weird, like, strange film. Mm-hmm. Now I know what to expect. Like, I can actually pay attention. But, no, I enjoyed this. Um, and, yeah, you're right. And it's, it's that coming to age, like, random person's life yeah. in, in the middle of this random store, in the middle of this random town, what, what's going on in, and it's in a about day to transition you know? and what's going to happen. And yeah, I love, I love those. Like it's also, yeah, it's a movie set in time. There's no different locations. You're in the shop the whole time from the start of the movie. There's one trip outside. You go to Atlantic city and then every you see everybody arrive at the record store and then you're at the record store for the rest mm-hmm. of the time. And that to me is just 
I love those extremely like in a box uh, movies that they're comforting to me as well. Um, yeah, but this movie like does not pretend to be real or I think accurate to how life was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, this movie ends with like these teenagers <laughs> raising enough money to buy a record store, which is just absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, and as something I really enjoy. So yeah. And this is, this is actually one I don't even think I've I'd heard of. Right. You said like, Hey, let's watch empire records. And I was like, watch what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most people have never heard of this. It's not an extremely popular movie, but it's one I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, I watched it on Showtime, um, w- when I watched it last time. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. But uh, if you can find it, um, I would encourage you. It's still on Showtime right now. Well, um, and it's like it's ninety minutes. Like it can be yeah, a quick. Yeah, that's watch. another thing. Is it's a quick comfort movie. Like it's the complete opposite of Two Towers. <laughs> you don't have to commit to three hours and forty five minutes of movie. You can just commit to ninety minutes of movie. So if you're in, you're out, you're done. Um, yeah, and it makes you feel good at the end. It's a feel good movie. So did um, cool. I will. I want to ask. You had this down, and I want to kind of watch. Ask this question real quick. Is like what couple movies like almost made it? Mm. Maybe that we hadn't already mentioned. I'm not sure if you did, but like what mm-hmm. movies almost made it? But you're like, ah, no, I won't put it on. So for, for whatever reason. So I already said Star Wars, right? Of mm-hmm. course. Um, I didn't put any Star Wars on there because we're talking about it next week. I was gonna put Fury Road on there, but again, another movie I've already talked about. I talked about that in the first episode. Um, a couple of new movies I didn't put on there, or not new movies, but movies I haven't talked about yet. Um, about Time. It is a very interesting, I guess, rom-com, but not really rom-com um, that would, that has a cool time travel premise. Uh, it's just very charming. It's it's a very charming movie, um, and I enjoy that as well. I thought about Incredibles. Mm. Um, Incredibles is, is my favorite Pixar movie and a movie that I've uh, returned to multiple times. And then I also thought about a couple of, like, 80s action movies um, to put on there. I thought about maybe throwing – you know, Terminator on there, um, or or even a movie like Die Hard on there, something like that. Those movies are, I I, I don't want to say mindless action because I think they have mind and they have high character and stuff. But a movie where I I am familiar with everything that's going to happen, but there's some iconic moments that I can quote with it, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. So that's a couple mm-hmm. of the ones for me. What about you? What just missed the cut for you? Um, a couple. So the f- one, the first one that I almost did was Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like that happy ending, right? They get out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, however, I, I didn't see that until I got to college, and I've only seen it probably two or th- two or three times since then. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't grow up with it. Really haven't seen it that much. That's one reason I didn't put that on. Um, I was gonna put Rocky Four just with the mm. classic that's, America. Yeah, Rocky Four you is know, a good pick there. Uh, Endgame I almost put on. Um, just because like that's a whole like twenty years in the making. Like, <laughs> let's go. You yeah. know. Yeah. Greatest film, you know, theater experience um, of all time, and mm-hmm. then like, really, I was gonna put, I was gonna put a Pixar movie on Disney or Pixar, you know, Disney is DreamWorks or Pixar movie, and I think it ended up being Toy Story. It was gonna be Wall-E or Ratatouille or Incredibles. I wanted mm-hmm. to put one of those on. No Shrek. No, actually, I kind of forgot about. I didn't think about <laughs> Shrek at that moment, or Lion King, mm-hmm. or Wall. Um, See, yeah. I just looked out on my laptop and thinking. I actually very heavily consider putting like Kill Bill on there. Yeah. Um, I really love Kill Bill. Uh, Book Smart was another movie that I really love. It came mm-hmm. out in the last couple of years that I, I watch a lot. I don't know. There's a lot, I, and I think it's important for everybody to find their own. Find, find the movie that's comfortable to you. That you can and own it. Here's yeah. another recommendation. I would own it. Own it. Don't uh, let. Yeah. Don't. don't let. Not like I need to rely on a streaming service own your comfort movie because then if you ever need to watch it as long as you have a way to play it 
you can watch it. It's true. I will. Ha- I have an Inception on Blu-ray. Come on. And I have. Of course. Who knows in how many years yeah. the Blu-ray discs won't even be able to. But For right now, own it. You've, heck, yeah. buy it digitally. I don't yeah. care. But just own this movie. So. But um, this has been episode 12, our comfort movies, as we are moving into new stages of our lives. Uh, thank you for watching. Again, we already mentioned this, but next week we'll be uh, talking about Star Wars. It'll be May 4th, so we'll probably preview the Obi-Wan series, what we think will happen. We'll probably maybe rank our Star Wars, talk about prequel, sequel, filler, what, what's better. I don't know yet. Uh, but don't forget to follow us on Twitter at what do you want to watch, and uh, we'll see you next week. 